It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. Welcome into a jam-packed show this week. We've got a lot to talk about, statewide lake reports. Jason Freed brings up a very interesting topic this week and changing our mindset when harvesting bluegills and why. Steve Saponiak will talk jig color schemes on Mille Lacs. We'll preview the JC's ice fishing extravaganza and Matt Brewer will talk about the SHOT Show out in Vegas and what new products are coming out there. Plus Hockey Day in Minnesota up in Bemidji. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And to start things off, our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine and Crosby. Your one-stop shop for ice fishing in the Cuyuna Lakes area. Lures, fresh bait, and your propane filling station for the Cuyuna Lakes. Oars and Mine located on Highway 6 in Crosby. Let's kick the show off with our local report. We bring in Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. And Jason always keeps us updated on what's happening uh, from about Leech Lake all the way down here to the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. And I guess one consistent thing, Jason, is it's been cold. It it has been. It, uh, we got spoiled there for a little while. I think winter's kind of finally showing her, uh, her angry teeth here. And it uh, looks like the 15-day forecast is is going to be cold, cold, and cold. So, which is uh, which bodes well for things like the extravaganza that make sure everything's good there. But uh, it's gonna, it definitely, uh, it makes things a little bit tougher in regards to getting out and about, being more versatile. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah, and, and obviously we're making ice, and, and the ice conditions should be in pretty good shape. So uh, anglers can get around a little bit out there. Uh, how have the fish been cooperating? I guess we'll start up on leech. What have you been hearing up there, Jason? Uh, you know, the cold front's kind of slowed the walleye bite down a little bit. Um, it's, uh, we talked a little bit about that last week as well. But, um, you know, it's just uh, now's the time where you got to really be specific on leech and, and setting up on, on pieces of structure and, and really taking advantage of, of, you know, having your fish house, for example, or being in an area where you've got varying amounts of depth. And uh, your best bet is to on leech right now is to set up on, you know, mid-lake kind of structure, uh, for walleyes and anywhere from 18 to 23, 24 feet of water and, 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 and use the different parts of the water column because those fish are going to be moving in and out. Um, anytime you can find an area where you have a deeper basin, um, you know, and leach is different because all the different bays have different depths and everything, but anywhere where you have deep water nearby and then fishing like a, a hump or a bar or something because those fish whether it's during the day or in the evenings and the mornings, they're going to move off out into the deeper water, and then they're going to come back in and feed on those pieces of structure. And so being set up in those prime areas is kind of important right now on leech. And um, they are catching pike. Uh, I'm hearing, you know, decent pike reports in some of the weedier bays. Um, and then, uh, you know, people are also occupying some of their time during the day, you know, catching perch. Um, you know, just, you know, a lot, of, a lot of smaller ones, but a lot of, you know, 8 to 11-inch perch right now. Uh, being caught and, you know, same thing, fishing, you know, shallow weed flats and just uh, kind of being mobile and bouncing around and, 
and uh, and that seems to kind of kill some of the time, uh, you know, in between the walleye. When the walleye bite gets a little tougher during the day, is just get out and catch, you know, catch some pike or catch some perch, you know, while on leech. And then, you know, and then just like we talked about before, just taking advantage of some of the other smaller lakes, you know, within that area, the, the Longville, Hackensack area, and, and getting out. Um, you know, there's you know, the deeper basin bite, um, you know, for the crappies and bluegills has been pretty good on some of these smaller lakes. And, and once again, you know, so you know, when you're up there and if you bring in an ice castle or you got a you know, fish house solid, you want to set up on a piece of walleye structure, you know, to, you know, and you're willing to get out during the day and, you know, go explore, you know, some other some perch bite or go explore a panfish bite on some of those, uh, those smaller lakes in the area and then go back, you know, and fish, you know, fish for the walleyes in the evening and early morning and, and just kind of keep bouncing around. Here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, Jason, you mentioned the JC's Ice Fishing Extravaganzas next weekend, Gull Lake's Hole in the Day Bay. In that area of Gull Lake, uh, have you heard anything that may uh, pique some people's interest that may be taking part next weekend? The uh, the best bite, uh, walleye bite, has been deeper, which for this time of year is, is pretty normal. It sounds like the last few years people have kind of caught on in the extravaganza to targeting uh, like tulabies and, and some of those things. You're seeing more and more of those fish caught. Um, and typically those fish are going to be suspended near deeper water. Uh, so same thing. I mean, I think the same rule applies. You know, if you could be in some of those areas and setting up on areas where you have deep water nearby, whether it's a long, steep break line, um, you know, a finger, a point, you know, something that where you got deep water nearby, those fish are going to move up and down, um, up and down the break, you know, off, off and on the pieces of structure. Uh, but the best walleye bite has been deeper, you know, and I've, you know, anywhere from like, you know, 28 out to 35 feet of water from, from what the reports have been lately. Uh, and then, you know, when you get these cold fronts, it seems like set lines, um, are going to help produce more than, um, you know, jigs. But, uh, but, you know, you still want to have your jigging spoons. Um, and then definitely change things up. It seems like, you know, when you get into a cold front, um, using more spoons and things that have more slower falls. Uh, are going to be probably more beneficial than something that's got a quicker, uh, quicker fall uh, rate. And so you know, a lot of like the tumbler spoons. Um, you know, I know uh, Northland makes one, and uh, VMC makes one, and then more of a slender, um, you know, bait that's going to fall and, and just kind of dance uh, rather than using something that's going to be more aggressive um, and have a quick fall like a jigging wrap or a buckshot. Those are going to fall faster. And it seems like this time of year now you want something that's got a little slower fall uh, and not nearly as quite as aggressive. And as far as some of the other lakes uh, around the Brainerd Lakes area, outside of Gull Lake, you've got North Long, you've got Round, you've got Pelican, even the Whitefish Chain. Anything special to report there? Yeah, pretty much the same old, same old when it comes to the walleye bite. You know, same thing. You kind of hear it's body reports here and there. Um, you know, I think this time of year, you know, the shacks have been out and, and a lot of people have hit a lot of the community places. And, uh, and now with, you know, with this cold front, the, the lakes are going to freeze up really good. Uh, maybe some of those flush pockets and some of those areas we have, we've been lucky. We haven't got a lot of snow. And so now's the time if you can to get out and explore a little bit and try to find some new pieces of structure where maybe there haven't, haven't been a house or two or any holes drilled and try to get on some new, because you're going to find active walleyes. Uh, because they haven't been fished. And so if you can find those areas on some of these lakes like North Long, um, Round, Pelican, and such. And then, and then like we've talked before, and just talk, taking advantage of, of the crappie and the panfish bites. Um, you know, North Long can, can produce some a good crappie bite. Um, you know, some of the smaller lakes in the area uh, you know, that are well-known, like the Huberts and the Sylvans and, and some of those places where you can get out and, and catch crappies and, and panfish throughout the day and in the evenings. Uh, is a great way to kind of just change things up. So, you know, if, if we can get, I mean, even though it's cold, the weather's going to be stable. 
um, you know, fishing still might be okay. Um, you know, and obviously the cold fronts will slow things down, but this time of year, cold, it's just cold in general. So you can't always think of the cold front like we think about it as in the summer. Um, so I mean, if you get that stable weather, well, uh, you know, the barometer is stable. It could, it could be eight degrees, but the fishing can still be pretty darn good. So, um, don't let cold temps necessarily scare you away from maybe having bad fishing because the fish will still bite. There you go, and uh, it's kind of a nice segue into uh, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, Jason. You brought this up a little bit last week, and I thought we'd get a little bit more in-depth to it. Uh, people that are going after crappies and panfish, it's getting to a point now that with all the electronics and, and everything that to our advantage has changed fishing a lot, and I'm sure you've seen that uh, time and time again being a guide. It almost has to change our mindset on how we go about harvest, too. It's almost like we really have to start changing the way that we think when going out. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, we talked about it before, and, you know, technology has changed the game. And fish, you know, fish just aren't safe. I mean, they're not necessarily safe anymore. I mean, you think about, you know, years ago when you didn't have the Navionics app on your phone and you didn't have, you know, your GPS on with your Lorance or you didn't have, you know, some of these things. You didn't necessarily know about these spots. Um, you know, to get to, and, and so fish just aren't as safe. And you know, the one thing about pan, you know, panfish in general is they they definitely get fished a lot more and a lot harder in the winter time. Um, people are more apt to chase walleyes and bass, and you know, some of those more you know species more in the summer and the spring and open water season. And so those fish definitely get pushed a little bit harder in the winter. And and typically, you know, you think about like a crappie and a bluegill, they don't, you know, in the, in the summertime, they're, they're far more active in the sense of how they move. Um, you know, I've had instances in the summer where you, you're on them one day and boom, they're gone the next day. Whereas in the, in the winter, if, if you find a school of crappies uh, in, the, in the late fall, you go back and in the winter, they're still going to be there. And they, they, they move slower. Um, you know, they're not going to move around as much. And so, I mean, you can go back and time and time again, and those fish are going to be hanging around in that area. And so they're a little bit more predictable this time of year, um, especially that, you know, we talk about these deeper basin bites. And so it definitely brings up the, the old debate is, you know, how, how many do you keep and, and those those kinds of things. I know last week I brought up, you know, I, if, if you want to find good pan fishing, it, it, don't be a scare, scared to fish those lakes that are five fish limits because, those lakes are, are they're kind of under trial studies, and, and there's been a lot of research out there about five fish limit, ten fish limits, and, and a lot of those lakes. Um, I was reading some some survey reports that you know it, it, the it, the success rates are very very high. They're not 100. Um, percent You know, you hear about eight, eight out of the 11 lakes with a five fish or ten fish limit um, have shown success with with growing. And, you, and the one thing that's different about panfish you know if you if you want to catch a big bluegill you know we talk about big bluegills 9 10 11 inches which are big fish for a bluegill it takes a long time for those fish to get to that to become a 9 incher um it takes anywhere from 8 9 uh, years for that fish to get to that point to get to about 9 inches where the walleye becomes a 14 inch walleye in about 5 years and so you know you think about how the quickly and you know some of these fish and, you know so you start thinking about like if you catch a 11-inch bluegill, that's, that's an old fish. And, and there's a, I was reading some stuff there um, about a year ago about how, you know, the, the DNR, you know, the, the survey results and how some of these lakes used to have 35 40% of the population of these lakes uh, were 9- to 11-inch bluegills. And, and now a lot of the lakes are allowed actually less than, less than 5% of the lake uh, are showing those, those results. And so, 
You know, it's tough, um, and, and not every league's the same. I think that's the hardest part for you know for somebody like the DNR to come up with just a statewide thing because there are some leagues that are also overrun with uh, stunted bluegills, and those are the lakes that you got to get fish out of. You know, and and so it uh, definitely. And then you got lakes where it's, it's not happening, and so you know what's the what's the what's the best solution? I don't know if there is one at this time, but I do think that if just being a conservationist. And, and thinking about, you know, these fish, and if you get on a school of really nice bluegills and, and you're catching, you know, different year classes, 7, 8-inch, 9, 10-inch fish, that it's okay to, you know, keep uh, you know keep some of those 7, 8-inchers. And you start catching 9, 10-inchers, put them back, because if you put those back, you're going to continue to have a real solid and fertile population. Whereas, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, what happens a lot of these lakes, you go out, people start catching 10-inchers, word gets out. Then pretty soon the 10-inchers get wiped out, and then pretty soon it becomes the 9-inchers a year later, and then two years later all, all you're catching are 8-inchers or 7-inchers, and, and those fish just have a hard time getting you know, coming back. And so, you know, it's it, we get a lot of times we get worked up about walleyes, and we get worked up about bass and some of those things, and, and we got to love all, the, all of our species, but we also got to think about the smaller fish in the system sometimes and 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 just taking, you know, taking what we need. You know, if you go out and catch 27 to, you know, 8 and a half inch bluegills um that that's quite a meal and uh you can feed feed your family and have a great meal and um you know so you know i, I I'm, just, I'm kind of an advocate for it i, I think you're going to see more and more but i know the dnr is talking more about um different things and different regulations but um you know everything from five fish limit ten fish limit to even measuring fish um which would make kind of an interesting thing you know you get on a school of uh of bluegills you know how many guys are going to want to measure you know, you get the measuring stick out and keep measuring every one to make sure that it's a legal fish. So I'm not sure what the best answer is, except just for all of us to look out for the fisheries and, and, and be conservationist and, and really kind of take care of what we have. Because, you know, if, if we do 10 years from now, we're going to have continue to have great fishing. And if we don't, we're unfortunately going to be looking at some of these places and wishing we had better fishing. And, you know, something else I'll point out, too, for maybe anglers who haven't or are not real experienced anglers, that would, you know, maybe they're hearing this and going, okay, that's something to think about. The other elephant in the room, Jason, is those that fish deep water. That changes the game a little bit. It does, especially, you know, and, um, you know, I, I see it with walleye fishing in the winter. I see it with, you know, especially like like take Leech Lake, for example. You know, Walker Bay is um, has 120 feet deep um, within the bay. There's a lot of 60, 80 feet. And there's a lot of humps that top out at, you know, 35, 40 feet. And those, those humps load up with small walleyes. And, uh, you know, when you catch those fish, you have to be patient and, 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 and you can't tell anybody not to fish those places because people want to catch fish. Um, and the same thing goes for, you know, for crappies, especially, you know, crappies, bluegills seem like they're a little tougher, but, um, you know, when you start catching crappies, for example, in a, on a 35 foot basin and they're, you know, seven feet off the bottom, they, uh, you know, they don't do as well. And, um, you really got to kind of take care of, of that. And so it's just, you know, being smart and, and, you know, taking your time with those fish and, and, and slowly reeling them up and, and not getting in a hurry. Um, you know, at the same time, you got to kind of find a balance because you don't want to wear them out either. But um, and that's definitely something you got to take into consideration when you're fishing. And once again, you can't tell people where they can't fish, but um, it's just, you know, kind of using common sense. And, you know, if you get on a good school and, and uh, you know, just trying to, you know, keep track of what you're keeping and what you're getting back and then just making sure those fish are going back because, you know, we all, we've all done it before. We, we put a fish back. We think it's going to go, and a lot of times that fish goes down, and it just comes right back up. And, uh, and you don't see it because it's, it's underneath the ice. So, for sure, that's another thing you got to take into consideration as well. And, 
and uh, it's it's all kind of a great giant puzzle, and none of us are experts, and you know, and that's why we got to trust people like the you know the DNR, who's you know, your biological research and all that kind of stuff, and and continue just to be like I said, be conservationists and look out for our fisheries and look out for one another, and and continue to try to do what's best to. To be really to protect and, and invest in our future. There you go. Some great stuff from Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. You can check Jason out, leisureoutdooradventures.com, as well as all over social media. I appreciate it, Jason. Good stuff. We will chat next week, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. All right. When we come back, we'll uh, head out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there from Steve Sapaniak, and preview next weekend's JC's Ice Fishing Extravaganza on Gull Lake's Hole in the Day Bay when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Got a big-time event, obviously, next week that we are very heavily involved in, and that is the Brainerd JC's Ice Fishing Extravaganza. Uh, B93.3, we will be out on Gull Lake's Hole in the Day Bay uh, throughout the day with a live broadcast. Uh, basically got you covered from uh, a couple hours before the event starts right through the weigh-in, so we encourage you to tune in. We're going to have a bunch of cool prizes to give away out there as well, so make sure you get those radio stickers to bring out to the uh, event as well and uh, set you up with some pretty cool stuff. But we want to talk about the event itself, and uh, I figured the person to talk to about that would be this year's chair, and that is Clint Meyer joining us. Clint, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Brian? Doing fantastic. I'd imagine you were counting down not only the days but the hours to the event, huh? You are right. Almost second. Maybe <laughs> next I'll get close to second soon. Yeah, so uh, kind of a year in the making for you, and uh, I guess first and foremost, it is official. You guys got to go ahead. We got plenty of ice out there, so anglers don't have to worry about that. You're right. There's about 16 inches of clear, solid ice, so it's the best ice we uh, we can have. And that's nice, because uh, some of the other chairs in the past few years, as you well know, have had to kind of sweat through this whole thing, and, and, and you haven't had to deal with that. I haven't. It was a, a good relief uh, yesterday to get to go ahead on it. So the event itself, for those, maybe we got some people that are new to the area, new to the show, um, that are kind of wondering, well, what is this event all about? Maybe a little bit of a brief history and an overview of what all happens out there. Well, the JCs as a whole, they were a leader, leadership development organization where you can share different events to build your social skills, leadership skills, stuff like that. Uh, this one in particular is a, is a big undertaking we do a lot for the Brainerd community. Uh, there's about 50-plus volunteer groups that come and help us, and we get to donate back to them after after the event's done. Um, our prime beneficiary is Confidence Learning Center, so we're able to help them quite a bit. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's kind of the neat thing about this event is, is you know, it all goes to charity, and um, you don't necessarily have to be, Clint, an accomplished angler with something like this. Uh, first place? Is a Ford or GMC truck from Mills Auto Group, and then all the way down to 150th place, which is a four-wheeler, a 2018 Altera 700 Camo. So even if you catch a small fish, just out of luck, you could end up with a really nice prize. Yes, it's uh, we did the prize packages like you know scattered throughout the board, so it's more of a luck of the draw instead of a skill type thing. And uh, it's it's kind of fun to see someone where they end up with maybe a gift card, and then the next spot is a a four-wheeler 
or a fish hole. So it's kind of fun to see that. Yeah, so if you're in 67th place or 93rd place or 24th place, who knows what you could win. It could be anything, like you said, from a gift card all the way up to a Strike Master auger or uh, possibly a four-wheeler, ice house. You never know. A couple of side events going on. Obviously, you guys got some raffle prizes that you're giving away out there. And then I did want to touch on the catch of the day because that's always pretty popular. Yes, uh, the catch of the day, uh, for people that don't know, it's a species that we name the week of the event. Uh, if you get the biggest weight of that fish, you get to walk home with uh, Grandpa's Hideout, Ice Castle, Strike Master Auger, Aquaview, Vexlar, some gift cards. It's uh, about a $10,000 prize package. So basically what people are going to be wanting to listen for next week and keep an eye out for is when you guys will mention what species is going to be part of the catch of the day. Yeah. So that's something that uh, is forthcoming. We don't know exactly what that's going to be yet. Uh, anything else? You've got the Youth Ice Olympics out there, so obviously bring the kids out too. Yes, uh, we have the Youth Olympics. Uh, we got about 100 buckets of fishing goodies to give out to the kids once they go through the little uh, obstacle course we got for them. So, yeah, bring the kids out. It's a family-friendly event. It's kind of fun to see all that. And one uh, other thing, too, I did want to mention, uh, there are some regulations out there, Clint, with Northern Pike that you wanted to touch on. Yes, uh, this year uh, for the Minnesota Lake, the Northern Pike slot is 22 to 26 inches. Uh, if you happen to catch a fish in that slot, it has to be put back in uh, right away. So anglers that are out there that do catch a northern, uh, make sure you have that in the back of your, your uh, mind. Uh, anything else, Clint, uh, before we, we let you go? I know you're pretty busy getting ready for the event that you wanted to touch on. I think we're good. I'm hoping for good weather. You know, No wind would be good. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> a lot of people out there. It should be fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, and all the hard work you guys do at the JCs planning the, this event. Uh, you guys always seem to pull it off, no doubt about that. So looking forward to next weekend's event. People want ticket information uh, on you know the event itself, Clint, or maybe want to purchase tickets, uh, easy place to get those? It's icefishing.org if you want to buy it online. Uh, if not, uh, we have various outlets in the Brainerd Lake area that are still selling tickets. Um, if not there, uh, obviously right on the ice, we'll be selling tickets. There you go. So keep that website in mind, icefishing.org. For everything you need for the JC's Ice Fishing Extravaganza. Next weekend, Gall Lakes Hole in the Day Bay. That's our chair for this year's event, Clint Meyer. Clint, I know I'll be talking to you here probably uh, quite a bit coming up next Saturday, so looking forward to that. And uh, good luck, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, Brian. Let's head out to Malax, get the report out there from Steve Saponiak with Predator Guide Service. And Steve, you know, last week we talked about uh, things kind of hit and miss out on Malax. A lot of it had to do with where you could get around and everything. Uh, and now it seems like, and we'll get into the fishing here in just a second, but the ice conditions out there suddenly got a little sketchy. Tell me about that. Yeah, they did, Brian. You know, it's a little scary. I've been keeping track of what's happening up around Mille Lacs area because I have a lot of people get a hold of me and ask me where to go, where's a good bite, where's it safe. And right now they've had some major, major problems up on the north end of Mille Lacs, like ice letting go, cracks and everything, you know, appearing too wide and everything. A lot of resorts up there are plowing new roads, so you've got a safe way to get in and out. They had uh, one group of guys that took them over an hour to get off. They had to plow different roads, different areas, so they could get back to shore. So just to let everybody know, you know, everybody thinks, well, it's already middle of winter, things are safe. It's not altogether that safe. What has hurt us, Brian, up on Mille Lacs Lake and every other lake in this state is we got close to about oh, 10 inches of snow insulating the ice. I've fished one lake, you know, locally around that area for the last uh, two months, 
and uh, it hasn't gone past 12 inches, 13 inches since we got all this snow. So something to keep in mind, you know, it's not making any new ice real quick. So with that in mind, be careful where you go. So you think that's the major thing with this ice getting a little weird, Steve, is the fact that the snow we got, that it just wasn't able to, to freeze uniformly? Definitely. You know, it wasn't uniform to begin with because everything was, you know, early in the season was, you know, the shallows were freezing better than the deeper part of the lake. And then we had high winds. They broke up Malax Lake. They broke up the smaller area lakes as well. And your area too, Brainerd. And then the things started to freeze again. So now you got thicker ice in the bays. You got uh, less ice out in the main body of water. Then things got really cold. It started going good. Then we got snow, which started insulating it. And so then with the high winds, Brian, and the snow combined, you got some areas that have got 14, 15, 18 inches of snow insulating it, and you got nothing where the wind blew all the snow away. So you got you know sketchy ice all around. One area maybe 8 inches, another area maybe 14 inches of ice. You know, the weather definitely with all the wind did not help us. So it's going to help. I mean, we're supposed to be awfully cold this weekend, so that's that should help, right? That definitely will help. If we're getting to the zeros and the low teens and everything, and even below zero, we're going to get back to making you know a good quarter inch to possibly three quarters of an inch a night. That definitely will help. And the big tournament's coming up. It's right around the corner. The more ice we can have, the better off it's going to be. Absolutely. And we don't want to scare people away from Mille Lacs, obviously, Steve, because it's such a destination for people. Based on what you said, you're just saying be careful. Like we always say, call the resorts, talk to them, the bait shops. They'll point you in the right direction. Oh, most definitely. For God's sakes, people, get out there. If you want the chance of a trophy of a lifetime, don't go all the way to Canada, Winnipeg, or anything for that big trophy to take a picture and release it. Get out to Mille Lacs Lake right now. I mean, my boys and I, we've been up there quite a few times. We've got a wheelhouse. It's fun. My gosh, we last weekend was a city up there. There must have been at least anywhere from 600 houses on the whole lake to maybe 1,000. And it looks like a small city in areas. Everybody's having fun. Just be careful. Use common sense. And like you just said, Brian, call ahead of time. You know, check out the area. If, uh, if the old road that you're used to isn't uh, safe, I can guarantee you the resort you're going out of will have a new road. It's a win-win situation. It'd probably just take you a little longer maybe to get to where you want to go. Exactly. Just consider it a little bit of a scenic tour. So how's the fishing been out there, Steve? Fishing was really, really good. You know, some people were just doing phenomenal, fantastic. You know, our group has been doing okay. Not fantastic and not bad. I've been happy about that. You know, some really quality fish up to 26 inches and some keepers in the slot, which is nice. Perch action on Mille Lacs Lake, you know, a lot of smaller ones, a lot of fish up to 8, 9 inches. Now, that's starting to get to the eating size. And I don't know if a lot of people out there are perch connoisseurs. I love them. I, myself, personally, I think they taste better than a walleye. They're sweeter. But, yeah, it's been going decent until this cold snap hit again. Of course, we all know that's going to slow things down a little bit. So just slow down your presentation, downsize your presentation, your lure, and go letter diameter line. When I got in the summertime for walleyes, especially on Malax Lake, I was getting down into four-pound tests, and I just told all my people, hey, take your time, play them a little bit slower, that's all. And at the end of the day, I tell them, you cut all those fish on a four-pound test. So it gives you an idea. Set your drag right, you'll be successful. Where depth-wise do you want to be right now, Steve? Right now, it's, everything is going hopping, Brian, from 18 feet to about 26 feet. If you can find the transition areas where it goes from rock to rubble or rock to small pebbles or sand, you're going to be on top of the fish. Uh, fish the breaks, now a lot of resorts got uh, roads plowed out to some of, like Sherman's Flat is plowed out there to the tip of it and everything. A lot of areas are hitting out to the uh, mud flats. If you're making it to the mud flats, fish the inside turns, fish the points and pockets on those mud flats. Early in the morning, they're on top of the flats 
uh, feeding. As the sun comes up and the day progresses, they're going deeper. Those mud flats on eight and nine mile have always been good producers on the inside turns. It's just something to think about. And for bait, you know, I, I'm a big fan of shiner minnows. Shiners have always done good. Small, light sucker minnows, three to four inches, even five inches, has been producing nicely too, Brian, for walleyes. So it's a win-win situation. Get you enough bait, get it ahead of time, and you'll be set. One of the things that we've talked about on the show here, really since the beginning of the ice season, is kind of back to the basics, Steve. You know, rattle reels are kind of a thing now, and plain hooks with a minnow and all that stuff. One of the themes on the show this week is we've talked about jig colors, and a lot of it has to do with which body of water you're fishing, obviously. With Malax, if somebody said to you, Steve, what? give me a color, what would you recommend? Well, that's a great question, Brian. Thank you. I like uh, the red. The glow-in-the-dark red has always been good. I like uh, the neon green has been a good producer for us on Malax also, as much as the white. And I know people think, how can you get a glow white? But it's out there. Try glow white. That's the key. Fish near the bottom on Malax Lake. You know, I will say one thing. Pay attention to your sonar. If you see some seem suspended, shoot right up there just above them. But, yeah, great question. Uh, glow red, glow white, and glow neon green has been really productive for us. Is there a reason for that, Steve? Because we always want to talk the term match the hatch um is what why do those colors work all colors change different colors as as they get deeper into the water column brian like a brown turns or purple turns into an iridescent brown once it gets past 12 feet i have seen that for myself on cameras you know not a real heavy iridescent brown purple does but it changes like that so all colors do change somewhat the deeper in the water column you go what that red uh, glow in the dark red, white, and neon green turns into. I'm not quite sure because I, I don't have Scooby equipment down there with me, but it does turn into a different color, and those colors have been seeming to produce best for us. Someday I'm going to get a colored underwater camera and see what exactly colors they turn into. But with the clarity of Malax Lake, I cannot help but feel a lot of these colors stay the original color um, when they get way down there as when they're up on the surface and everything. So there you go on there. Uh, the lakes around Malax, I know you keep a close eye on those too because they can be really, really good panfish lakes. Uh, what are you hearing there, Steve? Well, you know, it's been it's been a good question you have there, Brian. I like that. I know Shakopee uh, has been it's been slow. A lot of people have been hitting there. It's been hit and miss. I've been out there, and uh, there's been most of the times it's been small, four to a pound sunnies. Uh, a lot of fish houses people have left their farm island. It's getting some pressure. The sunfish are starting to bite decent. They've been spotty. They've been harder to come by again this year. Of course, everything's in the transition over there right now. They're moving around. I uh, know Ripple Lake is another one we want to try just north up there by Aiken. It's been doing pretty decent for panfish also. Now you go to Borden Lake over there by Garrison. A lot of small sunnies, a lot of small perch. Tied into some decent crappies once in a while out there too has been a good thing. And then head south from Alax, Smith Lake has been producing some decent crappies. You know, any, anywhere from 9 to 12 inches, that's decent sized crappies. Some decent sized sunfish and perch as well. So it's been, you know, it's been a good bite on the smaller lakes. Brian, it has been the great bite yet you know but the key is be versatile be flexible move around and i'll say it again you know if you don't see them on your sonar especially you know winter fishing for panfish go right down the bottom touch bottom and lift up and then watch your sonar what happens steve saponiak predator guide service you can check him out at predatorguideservice.com i appreciate the info as always buddy and we will check in next week okay my pleasure brian thank you When we come back, we'll head north for the Up North Report. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji has got the latest on Hockey Day in Minnesota up in Bemidji. Plus, he's got reports from Lake Bemidji, Cass, Winnie, 
Lake of the Woods and Red Lake when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. We head up north to Bemidji for the Up North Report. We bring in Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service. And, uh, boy, do we have a lot to talk about with Matt this week. Starting off, Matt, uh, you know, something kind of off the beaten path that we normally don't talk about, but we're both big fans of. Uh, Bemidji is host of Hockey Day in Minnesota this year. Tons of events. Uh, as we are taping this, obviously it is airing over the weekend, but uh, there's a lot of weekend festivities going on up there. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of hockey, obviously, um, <laughs> played out played outdoor. They, they've got a spot cleared off on the lake for people to, to do some pond skating, and, and there's pond hockey events. And, uh, I mean, live music every night, and really, really big deal. Lots of camera and news crews are in town. It's, it's a really big deal and uh, something special that Bemidji was lucky enough to get this year and probably, you know, might be the only time Bemidji gets it in my lifetime. So really cool, and I'm going to try to spend as much time down down here as possible. Um, obviously, it's one of our busiest weekends because if I had about 50 fish house rentals, um, I could have filled all of them this weekend. But uh, I'll be busy on the lake, but I'm going to try to dip into Hockey Day Minnesota events as, as much as humanly possible. Yeah, that was going to bring me to a question I was going to ask. I mean, what is this? How does this affect you being a guide and having a fish house rental business? I would imagine everybody that's in from out of town, maybe some people have never ice fished before, they want to take some of this in. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a gal from Washington D.C. that uh, that's here doing some reporting, and she uh, wants to get out and just experience ice fishing and go out for an hour. And um, you know, there's all kinds of cool stuff like that going on. And then obviously uh, the calls are just nonstop looking for looking for rentals because not only are all the hotels booked and have been for a long time but people want to experience what Bemidji has to offer and we're a city built around a lake so so people want to ice fish for sure and what a way to spend I mean if you can't get a hotel spend the night out on the ice and, and maybe even a couple of nights out on the ice do a little fishing take in some hockey what a, what a great way to spend a weekend yeah definitely like I said if I if I had about 50 houses I I'd be a happy man this weekend. <laughs> I imagine so. How has the fishing been up there, Matt? I know uh, Lake Bemidji, obviously your home base, but uh, you keep an eye on other lakes too up the, up around that way. Has it been pretty good? Yeah, it's, we're kind of at that point in in winter where um, you, you have to kind of chase a few bites. So um, a lot of our regular bites that we had going, um, they shut off and we've abandoned those lakes and now you know we're moving to more more steady stuff and, and might not be catching as many big fish um, on the panfish side and private guided trip side, but, but we're getting really good numbers and, and a few decent ones mixed in. So the pan fishing, like I said, does, you know, it, it's kind of hit or miss on, on every lake, but if you're on a lake that that's producing, it's going to produce right through this, uh, this colder part of winter here. And, and if you can stay on top of those schools, you're going to have success through the rest of the month and, and uh, into February as well. But, uh, but the walleye fishing uh, still kind of the same deal. It's it's hit or miss during the day, and then you get that evening flash bite where you, where you catch a couple. And and if you're attentive overnight and you can hear the rattle reels and they'll they'll wake you up, you're going to catch some fish at night because the the bite has pretty much been relegated to darkness. Uh, it's when when all the fish are coming through, but we're catching a lot of big ones. So so that's been cool. And one of the things I like to go after when I'm up around that way, especially Lake Bemidji, is known for perch. How's the perch fishing been? 
that's been great. I mean, that's what we're concentrating on. And every day is a little bit different. You know, um, the temperature has been changing so often. Um, and every time you get that temperature change, uh, the fish, you know, they'll go in a little funk. So we might have a day or two where the fishing is a little tougher, but you're still catching perch and, and the size is really good. And then once things get stable and level off, then the perch go nuts and, you know, people have really good days and it'll be four or five days in a row. And then the weather will switch again. And then you got to work a little harder and, and move around a little bit. Um, obviously this weekend, there's not going to be a whole lot of moving around, but, but then it stables back off and, uh, and levels back off and, and the fishing gets good again. So it's not, it's not relegated by temperature. Um, everybody thinks, Oh, it's cold. The fish aren't going to bite. They don't care. They just, uh, they just want it to be stable. And uh, as long as that barometer is doing the right thing, the, the fish are going. So. Anything special to report on Cass, uh, Winnie, Red Lake, even Lake of the Woods, Matt, anything there? I've been hearing good reports from Winnie, um, Lake of the Woods. I've been hearing mixed reports. If you're in the right spot, you're doing really well. If you're not in the right spot and you're not moving around, you're not going to do very well. Um, Red Lake has slowed down a lot. Uh, the interesting thing, Winnie, I've been hearing just a ton of good reports. Um, but I haven't heard any ice reports, so I, I have no idea if there's any roads plowed out there. I have no idea um, how much ice is out there. I don't know how people are traveling, what it's like. I imagine uh, places like High Banks, um, they probably have a road out to maybe Center Bar. Um, and, and I've heard the fishing out, you know, on the humps out by Center are doing really well. So um, fish, are, fish are going pretty good. So. That's uh, that's what I would be doing if I were if I were headed to Winnie, but I would make sure and uh, touch base with some of the resorts and see what the ice conditions are because I just don't know. So there you go on that. One last thing, Matt, uh, coming up, we've got the Shot Show in Vegas. You wanted to touch on that because for hunters, uh, this is a big deal because we got a ton of hunting gear and equipment and gadgets and all kinds of other stuff that's going to be coming out here real soon. Yeah, while while I may be really busy with ice fishing, I'm also uh, busy trying to lock down some some uh, new gear reviews and and some writing projects and and really keeping my eyes peeled on on all the new products coming out and and shot show is kind of that's the epicenter of of the hunting world and and all new things uh hunting related and and there's a lot of really cool stuff um primos has a lot of new calls they've got uh the the popular surround view blind with uh the, the one-way see-through technology fabric, um, they've expanded that line a little bit, and there, there's just a ton of ton of really cool stuff for turkey hunters, and obviously I'm, I'm impatiently awaiting spring, so I'm really keeping my eyes on all this new turkey stuff coming out. Um, and then, you know, I'm in the long-range shooting, so Savage Arms has some really cool new long-range stuff. Um, they've got uh, the new Savage MSR-10, which is available in like a 308 6mm Creedmoor and a 6.5 Creedmoor. So um, for people who are into long range or western hunting, that's that's a new AR platform gun that's uh, that's got some really, really long range capabilities and uh, new branding and packaging from Federal Premium Ammunition and, and tons of new ammo. Um, you know, I'm always keeping keeping my eyes peeled on that stuff, so I'm excited for a lot of the new products. And, and uh, if anyone is on Facebook, which I'm pretty sure everybody is, uh, you should be following some of these brands and, and checking out the, the shot show page because it's, uh, 
it, it's like uh, it's like the St. Paul Ice Show of the fishing or of the hunting world. So you know, there's there's going to be tons of vendors and a lot of a lot of new stuff is going to be coming out that you're going to be seeing commercials and ads for here, um, and and it's really exciting. Yeah, that's going to be taking place out in Vegas this weekend. To piggyback on that, Matt, I had a chance to turkey hunt out of one of those. It was a prototype. Uh, obviously, it's not released yet, but it was a prototype of one of those see-through, uh, one, one-way see-through Primos blinds, and I was impressed. Yeah, they're awesome. Uh, we hunted out of them this, this past spring, and, and then my wife and son both deer hunted out of it this fall. And I mean, they had deer walking right up to them, and the deer would just look in the window like, what is happening? I don't <laughs> understand. And being able to see through, uh, there's absolutely zero blind spots. You know, we'd have turkeys coming from the backside, and you could see them through the blind without having any windows open, and it's just such a big advantage being able to do that. Um, you know, with traditional blinds, you've got so many blind spots, and you're always like, poking your head side to side and you can probably imagine me moving my head in my car as I'm talking to you but um (laughs) but you don't have to do that anymore you can sit completely still and watch them right through the fabric and they can't see you at all It's, it's such a cool technology there you go, Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. You can check Matt out, northcountryguides.com. I always encourage you to follow him on social media, Facebook. He's always got a bunch of cool stuff up there. I'd imagine two people want to follow. You mentioned SHOT Show and, and all of that, Matt, on social media, but uh, Hockey Day in Minnesota, I'd imagine they're all over social media too, so people want to follow along. If they can't make it up there but want to experience some of that, they can do that as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of cool videos that are popping up about Hockey Day Minnesota every day. Lots of cool stories about uh, people like Gary Sargent and, and uh, George Palawa, Mr. Hockey, who passed away many, many years ago. But so many cool little little tidbits to catch on TV and, and on YouTube and stuff. It's really been fun to watch. There you go. Matt, I appreciate it. Have fun up there this weekend. Uh, stay warm, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy, okay? Sounds good. More of Branded Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And once again, time for our Hungry Hunters segment here on the show. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon joins us once again. Very interesting recipe this week, Joel. Uh, we go the pheasant route with cola-glazed pheasant, as in Coca-Cola. That's right. We're gonna, And you want to go Pepsi-Cola, you can do Pepsi-Cola. But we're <laughs> RC, any, <laughs> RC any kind of cola you can think of. So we're going to start off, we're going to make our sauce. So we'll get some Coca-Cola. You know, about a one and a half cup, so it should be, you know, right around a can of cola. Brown sugar, tomato paste, throw in some garlic. Got to have a little bit of sriracha in there. Uh, some smoky paprika and some liquid smoke. So we're going to pour all that into a saucepan, and we'll get that up to a boil. Let that cook for five to ten minutes. You know, as you cook it, it's going to reduce down a little bit. That sugar is going to caramelize in there. It's going to start to thicken up on its own. So cook that, you know, probably five to ten minutes just so it starts to thicken up and come together a little bit. And we'll set that aside. We'll take our pheasant breasts, we'll get them all nice and cleaned up, and we're going to get our grill nice and hot, you know, about a medium-high heat. Throw a little salt and pepper on your pheasant breast, take them out to the grill, throw them on skin side down, and we'll let those cook for, you know, two to three minutes per side, depending on how thick they are. After we flip them over, then we're going to glaze them with, the, with our cola. Let that cola cook on there a little bit. You know, if you've got to flip it over, glaze the other side. You know, we really want to get all that glaze on there. We want to let it set in, get it nice and, nice and crispy on there. We can pull them off, and you can serve this with you know some kind of side of rice, or you, know, you got some veggies going on. Can't do anything with this. 
I would imagine too somebody with turkey breasts. You could do something like this. Yeah, with any it. any kind of game bird is this is going to work great for. Wow, that sounds fantastic. Well, if you want to give it a try, head to our website. Uh, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the recipes tab. You got this recipe and a ton of other ones that Joel shared with us. Uh, Cola glazed pheasant, our hungry hunter recipe for this week. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North and Baxter. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that'll wrap up this week's show. Once again, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. You can also listen to the show live. You can stream it if you're away from your radio out of town. Just head to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. You can also listen on demand there. Or if you want to go the podcast route, we are available wherever you download podcasts, whether it be Podcast One, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Download us. Give us a nice rate and review. We'd appreciate that. And we'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.